Welcome to Happy Times and Places. That's Happy Times and Places. We're not going to plumb the depths of despair. We're going to accentuate the positive. I, Toby Haydock, am going to try and be as joyful as I can when watching an episode of Doctor Who and seeing if I can guess my guests' favourite things about it. Hello, my name is Ian Winterton. I'm a playwright and writer and journalist, and I am picking The Power of Kroll from 1978. Well, everybody, welcome. The Swampies most certainly do have some problems. Uh, so does everybody. Uh, it's part four of The Power of Kroll, not the most celebrated uh, story uh, of, well, even the season that it's in, uh, in which it's something of a nominally being, um, I think, sort of most traditionally sci-fi. Oh, again, in fact, it's very sci-fi, but I, I still feel it has a, uh, a sort of stylistic um, adherence to, you know, the likes of, of Tara and, uh, and, and Reboss. And it's a funny old season, 16. But um, I, th I think stylistically, Kroll is out there on its own. It's a sort of it's a refinery under siege, isn't it? Um, and let's see how they're getting on in the final episode. I have it on Blitbox. I have it on DVD as well in a beautiful box set. I remember getting it and opening it up and going, oh, they've really put some thought into this. I had a wonderful few days gorging on, on, on what seemed a, an embarrassment of riches when that DVD came out. Um, uh, God, many lots of waters passed under the bridge since then. Um, but now, here we are, where I can just flick a switch on my old uh, TV projector and uh, all of Doctor Who, or most of Doctor Who that's available, uh, is just uh, the press of a button away. So I'm going to press uh, play on part four in three, two, one. And is the circly things going round? Because here we go. You are playing. So there we go. Doctor Who theme, it says on the subtitles. I have the subtitles switched on. Uh, it's ra ra uh, rated NR, which stands for No Rankin. Um, so here we have uh, Power of Kroll, episode four. Uh, Kroll has, has, having been absent for most of last week, uh, where Ian Winterton, my guest, uh, brilliantly chose something. that I love that uh, I love that bit of the the ground getting sucked underneath. Um, I, I I wish, yeah, Glyn Owen's death is pretty good, but he he is sort of pushing himself. It's a shame. I, 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 there's the, the the tentacle action has some has some great potential to be slightly better uh, than it is, but it's okay. It's okay. It's not embarrassing. It's not it's not John Pertwee uh, gurning at the end of Spearhead, you know, um, wrapping himself around or whatever. Um, it's it's okay, but I think it's I think it's just a just a five percent off of being um, really you know really good, which is so then you go oh, that's a slightly missed opportunity. But I love you know I, I love all this uh, you know that the, the swamp is getting down to the ground and doing that thing that people you know who are tracking people do. I like all of that sort of stuff. Um, love love the sheer amount of water that you know you you get from being on on location. Why you know this? Why do why do we love this location? Uh, <laughs> it's it's you know it's so unlike what we used to, what we usually get in Doctor Who. Occasionally we go by the seaside, where of course the monsters have to inevitably rise from the sea. But I think this is a really good and that is a brilliant model. Great tentacles. I love its moving mouthy thing. 
uh, the wonderful Philip Bird. Uh, it's it's sort of gaping more is very is very you know mobile and doing stuff. Uh, I like I, I, any, anything that has somebody getting sucked under the water um, uh, is is I think is I think always a, a, a good moment. I'd have liked to have seen it. it's a bit of a cliche, but I'd have liked to have seen his hand going under like you do with the decider Draith in uh, uh, in full circle. Uh, but I th you know that model is super duper. Um, Tom Baker's costume is brilliant. I love his brooches. Uh, I'm sure it's very easy to fall in love with Mary Tam. Uh, she's just the most beautiful woman. And what's really interesting, I think one of the things, the joys of that Key to Time box set was hearing Tom Baker and Mary Tam getting on so well on the commentaries uh, and realising that for all her ice maiden, you know, looks and Estonian princess uh, mythology about her, she was, a, she was sort of... A, a Yorkshire lass with a dirty laugh. I, 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 I yeah, I'm sad I didn't, uh, I didn't uh, uh, know Mary Tam because uh, she seems to have been a right old hoot. Now, this shot sadly doesn't work at all. Um, I, I quite like the tentacles coming out of the, uh, out, out of the, the, the village, but that, that, that shot where Kroll is, is, towering above the village simply doesn't work sadly but you know um it's is that the reason we don't like power of crawl um uh because there's been stories that have been let down by i had a whole thing in one of my shows that i cut in the end about about uh uh a, you know the giant rat i each doctor who story has one thing that that kind of ruins it that means you can't quite because i always used to judge doc two stories on whether i could show them to the general public i don't know what i thought i'd be doing you know drive driver oh, would you like to watch this and then then fall in love with it but i did genuinely always view it i think it's a thing it's a thing about approval isn't it um uh i i, I might talk about it, i because i think it's an interesting point interesting alert whenever i say interesting i think i'm i'm probably not saying anything remotely interesting at all um uh, it, it, it's I, I use it so often it proves one thing that isn't interesting is my vocabulary um uh, but i i actually i i like all of this stuff um uh the 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 the, the confrontation between uh dugin and uh uh uh, and 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 Thorn, I like I like the fact that um, Dugin is 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 actually a, a a plant for an agent for the Sons of Earth, or is he? Because again, I first when I first sort of read, I think it's in a Doctor Who quiz book or something. It said Dugin is a, a is a is an agent for the Sons of Earth, but actually that's sort of what Thorn says to justify killing him. He actually says Dugin says they're not cranks. Which just he might he might just be sort of sympathising or he's been you know he's been secretly subscribing to Sons of Earth Weekly or something you know but that doesn't mean he's necessarily a card carrying member um, you know he he follows them on Twitter but he doesn't retweet them uh, now that's an interesting thing about because I have friends who get very cross with other friends because of who they follow on Twitter you go, well, yeah. anyway that's a conversation for a different day I think I think I think Fen has just unfollowed Thorn uh, but I I like that I like it when things you know things get a bit uh, high octane in a base and and all the shouty men uh, i'm taking command you bastard and all of that you know um now again that's reasonable but it just uh, it, it still doesn't it doesn't quite work and and, and rankwin's been there ah now i adore this scene 
this is brilliant. This is this is Twitter. This is people doubling down where you go, I'm going to I'm going to counter what you say with a fact. Uh, what is a single life? Newell was killed. What is a single life? <laughs> so that's that's his you know that's his that's his uh but but is, is, doesn't he also have and that was a what well, that was a test of our faith you know there's all the reasons for the giant squid eating them um are justified on religious grounds and i think that's terribly terribly funny and my god don't people still do it today and i'm not just talking about religion i think it's very easy to sort of poke fun at religion now and and, and actually i think that gets a lot of people off the hook who go, well, look at me, I, I'm poking fun at religion because it's silly, it's, it's, it's believing in something that isn't there. Now, I'm, I'm not a religious person, but I, th I see a lot of people who think they're being very clever, um, um, uh, you know, patronising religious people who, who are equally uh, messianic or zealous about their own belief systems and, uh, and, and equally sort of uh, man manipulate actuality in order to justify it or bat it off with uh, some... Uh, you know, inane and unnecessary, you know, uh, point, um, irrelevant comparison, or, or what a, a lot of what what aboutery. You know, uh, this is a terrible set. I know Don Giles, the, the set designer. I think there was a memo saying, please, can Don Giles not work on Doctor Who again? That that cutout in the wall is very very careless. But I, I remember the first time I saw it, where Tom Baker hits the rocket silo wall with a hammer and it wobbles. I love this bit though. I don't know why. I love somebody bravely going about to press a button. Uh, and getting shot and that's exactly what happens here and I do quite like the look of surprise that John Leeson does when he kills me and it's and and it's you know and it's a it, it's not very it's not it's not too uh, 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 coy about you know the sort of death scene there's no blood or anything like that but that's fine because I remember in the book of Tomb of the Cybermen uh, Viner's death scene which is a pretty similar thing him going I'm going to press this button and somebody saying don't and in the in the book it's it's you know the the fussy little man sort of holds his own against Eric Klieg and then Klieg shoots him and there's a look of surprise on his face and it's it sort of reminds me of that that, that that's not it's not like that in the TV version it's a lot uh, more perfunctory and quick but it, actually the the book version of Viner's death in Tomb of the Simon is is very like uh, what you get in Power of Kroll and, and talking through that Tom Baker just hit a control panel with a hammer and the wall just uh, I mean it really has been flung together and if you look at the the, the sort of entry ramp uh, into the, into the set uh, it's it's a, it's a very high angle that's well it's not particularly practical difficult to walk up and down I would say but also really really tatty I, I and Don Giles was still designing stuff in the sort of late 80s early 90s I think I've, I don't know that he's ever been interviewed I don't know if he's around and I love I love Maddock in this staring intently at the screen I'm you know he'd still be alive now wouldn't he and I'm reporting you for uh, I, I I love I love uh, see, and, and he says, "Yeah, he th we th you don't kill a man because you think he belongs to the Sons of Earth." So it's not. So I, I think going into this story, I, I had it in my head because of what I read somewhere that that Dugin is definitely a plant from the Sons of Earth. But I think that's that's not uh, that's not as clear here, uh, and deliberately so. I, I, th I think that's I, I quite uh, I think it would be too much of a, a a thing if he was actually an agent from the Sons of Earth. I just like quite like it that he's somebody that is. You know, sympathetic to their. We've had the seed, seed planted that there are people who are sympathetic to the swampies and and, uh, uh, and and you know don't don't like that the the methods of of what's going on 
with the, with the refinery than he's an it would work equally well if he was an agent i quite i quite like yeah but it seems to me slightly less obvious that they've that they've they've gone for the suggestive route um here we have the uh are you going to tell us not to try anything to, again tom tom sort of being being sort of slightly cocky and uh, obtuse with with authority but also with uh with the conventions of the genre don't make any sudden moves uh and and neil mccarthy i think laudably just keeps a straight face and carries on but it, it's it's slightly awkward um i do think the swampies look better on film i think they look better in their own temple they look quite an odd contrast to the refinery but, but maybe that's the point you know this is this is the i mean they are literally green aren't they it's not easy being green they are they are you know uh they are they are a, a sort of verdant um chlorophyll perhaps they have chlorophyll running through their veins uh, in contrast to the sort of gray functionality of the of the of the refinery works if you wanted to be pretentious about it which i clearly just did um i i, I still like the fact that that that, that that, that Varlik is a bit like, oh, come on, mate, you're, you're talking rubbish. Um, I love that till he has eaten of their souls. <laughs> he does all that stuff so well. Hero of television, John Abenary. Um, oh, I like this, doesn't he? It doesn't tell me, so is that necessary? Philip Manning goes, wasn't me. Yeah, <laughs> well, not me. And <laughs> not me. It's great. And, and, I don't know. I just think Philip Maddox's character in this is reacting, reacting to that whole situation much better than that sort of second-string character normally does in these sorts of situations. And I don't know if it's maybe Maddox threw in a couple of lines or suggested a couple of lines, but it just elevates some sort of typical Doctor Who situations uh, above what they were. Um, I think I just saw John Leeson move then. Maybe save you for pudding. I love. Uh, oh, and this. Oh yes, this is Thorn's death, which is very, you see a little bit of blood on his hands, but unfortunately it's so quick. I say unfortunately because that would be quite a nice talking point because actually Thorn is the main bad guy, really, uh, and he's just been killed, and there's quite a bit of the episode to go. Uh, what do we get this time? The eighth holy ritual. <laughs> um. Tom Tom Baker's there trying to mimic uh, uh, John Abenary's hand movements, which I think is a bit cheeky, but the Orbaloni I I like. Um, he's always teetering on the edge of of whether what he's doing is acceptable or uh, a step too far. I think Tom Baker, but I think that's that's the price you pay for having an alien genius uh, as your lead character and lead actor. Um, ah, that is such a good joke. Yes, they're they're about to get eaten by the thing and he goes right what's your answer to this B big chief uh all the answers and he, and he very slowly gets to his knees and starts praying that is such a funny joke uh and abenary does it with such sort of conviction and uh, uh, uh and and welly uh that's that's nice the uh the uh the tentacle smashes through the window it's a shame that the wall wobbles the sets i mean this is as this is as as uh 
as you know, I, I, I reject the cliche of Doctor Who having wobbly sets in the sense that you watch anything from around this time and uh, uh, and and the scenery is is scenery. Um, and actually, I think often Doctor Who's production values are much better than much more expensive shows around. It. It's just that he's been asked to do space, not a hospital corridor or whatever. Um, this see this model this model is is great. I, I, the refiner is a bit wobblier than I'd I'd remembered. Um, although the plot for part three was a bit wobblier than I'd remembered. Um, uh, but yes, I still haven't quite finished. Thorn's death is a bit sort of like it's run out of things for Thorn to do. So he he gets killed, but but it's a slightly muddled scene, isn't it? it I mean, you, you have to be you have to know where you're looking for you to see you know what's happened to him and the blood and uh, why is it important to see the blood well they'd gone to the trouble of getting a blood bag so you want to say i like tom baker <laughs> punching his head as if to say yeah i've had enough of ranquin now as well but that that's you know everybody is i think i i think the joke that ranquin is is pitched perfectly is that he's relentless in his uh god bothery um and and it just goes to show how you know zealotry makes people you know blind to facts and again that is not necessarily me attacking religion because i see a lot of non-religious people um uh, adhering to their truth um uh, you know and, and doubling down this is ranquin essentially doubling down isn't it Ra rather than just going yeah do you know what i was wrong it's a giant squid Th this is him going no he's a god uh, and i'm gonna be absolutely fine <laughs> And I think you need a cracking actor to stand in front of a tentacle and deliver all of that nonsense. Uh, and But look at that wall is wobbling to heck. But I suppose it is being crushed by a giant squid, so we can kind of, uh, kind of accept that. But Don Giles and his only Doctor Who... I think, uh, I think, can you phone in a set? I think, uh, just some, get some cardboard and some tinfoil. And I got a couple of pallets out the back. Uh, I'm, I don't know why I imagine him just <laughs> with a fag, just going, uh, yeah, I've got a wheelbarrow, turn that upside down and uh, put a bit of 4 by 2 on it. Uh, yeah, go, pub. Um, he was probably terribly refined and going, I wish I was doing Julius Caesar uh, uh, at the Oldbury and instead I'm doing a refinery and something called Doctor Who. Um, he's, he's probably neither of those things. Uh, but uh, <laughs> send in your pictures of what you think Don Giles looks like. Uh, I, I, but I don't think he's ever been interviewed, uh, which, which is often a sign that somebody doesn't want to talk about it. But there's definitely a memo that from Graham Williams going, we don't want this guy again. Uh, you know what he did for us was shocking, and that's you know that's unusual. And he's a you know he's a staff member at the Beeb, but it's interesting that he never did he'd never done a Doctor Who prior to that because most people who are doing Doctor Who in the seventies usually turned up or been around, um, and he and he certainly never comes back. I think I think this is this is pretty effectively done as well. We're on film, and you know we're just seeing bits of the close up of Kroll's hide and a, and a couple of tentacles. I think that's all very well done on film. And Tom Baker's very good at you know. Um, gaping in peril and pain uh, and, and you know knowing that we're getting to the end of the episode so he has to give it a bit of in, intense uh, you know he's much better at uh, gurning is wrong, Pertwee gurns but I think I think Baker you know grimaces with, with high drama uh, and then that disarming smile look at that, look at that don't you just love that guy now uh, oh yeah and I think 
is Mark Hardy. Uh, that was uh, who is the cyber lieutenant in the eighties. Is is one of the uh, is one of the swampies. I think that was him that we just saw. Um, and 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 I know that um, because because most of the extras on film weren't then brought to the studio because they were local to the to the you know um, to the to the to the swamp. But I think Philip Bird and maybe Mark Cardi. I think they were. They were maybe brought to studio. I could be wrong there. It doesn't matter. Let's not let's not uh, let's not uh, get too carried away with which extras went there because um, the only person who cares is me, and I don't care enough to spend too much time potentially being wrong about it. Uh, but certainly one of the swampy extras is Mark Hardy, the seventh, the eightest cyber lieutenant. So the the plot's kind of finished now. Uh, so they need to go. Um, uh, Right, something's blocking the th the orbit shots, but the orbit shots have been set up since the very beginning, um, so they are a, a a thing. But it just does seem a little bit of odd extra tension. But it means it's worth Philip Maddock turning up because, you know, uh, the other two main guest stars are, are both dead. Um, you know, Thorne's been killed about uh, about forty minutes ago, um, and John abenera has been eaten by a tentacle. Um, so it, it means that. Maddock gets slightly more to do than your traditional second in command is that he's he, he at least gets to impart the the sort of final threat which is which probably explains why he didn't actually just go really I'm not been doing this um uh and 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 he really has made an impact so well done well done Philip Maddock uh glowering throughout the whole thing and being brilliant uh and oh on naught 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 there's a lot of close-ups of that bad clock aren't there um Oh, he's so good, Tom Baker, isn't he? He's so good. Uh, 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 he knows exactly what to do, and he also knows exactly how to undermine it. And he and he skirts between doing doing both. Um, I you do feel a bit sorry for Fenner here. I, I like the fact, don't they? Sort of. So so he's sort of left glaring at at, at these. I, I, I don't think Fenner's going to live the natural life, but I, I quite like the fact that these guys sort of surround him threateningly. It's certainly not a, it's not an easy piece there, is it? Um, I, mean, I suppose they could. Uh, you know, they, they, they could kill him. They've been hating the Dryfoots for the whole thing. Um, but that's not what we're supposed to think. It's a sort of cosy comedy sort of, uh-oh, he's been left with the Swampers who don't like him. Uh, but, you know, if, if this was real, you would sort of go, are the spear-wielding guys who don't like the refinery guys, are they going to kill this guy? Because they, they could. Um, but, you know, I, I like... Uh, and, and the idea that Kroll is the reason Kroll is an extra, extra giant squid is because uh, Kroll has swallowed the key to time. So it's a very clever use of the key to time. I like it in Android Tatara when the key to time has got out of the way straight away. That's that's rather fun. I like the fact that they sort of mix it up a little bit. But I, I also like the fact that because the key to time has whatever properties it has, that has led to the whole story. Um, uh, you know, it, it makes it more than just, a, oh, we've got to find something in a, you know, in a, in a display case or we've, we've you know that the, 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 the thing we've got to find um, exists completely actually outside the drama of the story that we find ourselves in I, I like the fact that it's sort of it's it's organic to the to, to, to the to, you know to the to the it's actually part of the whole the whole plotting um, oh look at that everyone gets a single 
a single caption credit. Oh, those were the days. That's the sort of thing that really, I was going to say, gets me going there. I think I'm probably taking it a little bit too far, but I do like a single, single caption credit for the actors. Beautiful. Uh, Tony Harding visual effects. Yeah, Colin Laver's no longer with us. Yeah, as I say, we really struggled uh, to get to get people for uh, for any sort of coverage. There's not a documentary, is there, on the on the on the DVD? I wonder if we'll have a go at doing one on the Blu-ray. Looking for Kroll. Looking for Don Giles. Um, looking for Norman Stewart. As I say, I think Norman Stewart is dead. Um, but I'd like to. I would like to have a more detailed story of the power of Kroll um, on the the Who Talk um, commentaries that I do from Phantom Films, which you should check out. Uh, we have uh, Mark Hardy and and Philip Bird on on Kroll, two two extras, but they're both, you know, they're both actors who've uh, uh, who are articulous and have a lot to say. And it was early on in their careers, so uh, it's you know it's it's good. It's no it's no uh, it's no compromise having them on, but. Um, it is an it, it is an illustration of 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 you know how few of the key players are around. Carl Rigg is around. I've desperately tried to get hold of of Carl Rigg, but uh, I, when I get an email address for him, it turns out that it's out of date. Because uh, uh, he was writing, he was I think Russell T Davis was in a writers' room with him early in his career with uh, with Shirley Cookley, and so he was around. But now, for some reason, very difficult to to have tra traced. I've tried Equity, everything, uh, and yet he was somebody that was still acting and stuff when I was you know growing up and reading credits and I think he was in a Rockcliffe's Babies or something so he you know he didn't it's not like he sort of stopped acting around Kroll time he, he he you know carried on and then was writing in television so but one of those people that seems to have sort of not be quite there um, without having quite vanished it's a curious one so anyway uh, what is it now so we have to choose a favourite thing and uh, a favourite bonus thing. Well, I think my favourite thing about episode four is the whole um, way that um, Robert Holmes satirises not just religion, but, but power. You know, the whole Rankin thing of every time somebody goes... Uh, he's destroyed our village. It's a test of our faith. He's eaten. He's eaten Jim. Uh, what is one life? You know. He's always got an answer to to um, to divert from the facts, staring him in the face. That is, that's a giant squid that doesn't care if we live or die, and he's going to destroy everything for its own selfish ends. Doesn't matter. Uh, I I worship it, <laughs> um, which I think you know is 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 a, a message that is as relevant today as it was then, and as I say, not just about uh, a religion. Although I think that's what Robert Robert Holmes is doing here, and I also think one of the reasons I like it is because it's totally believable that Rankin is that kind of character. But also, and even though you know his he's absolutely stupid when it comes to his you know, prostrating himself before Kroll. He's also, in terms of the village and the swampy setup and his dealings with Rom Dutt, he's he's a wily operator. He's a smart cookie. He's a manipulator. And I think that's quite clever because it shows that somebody can be really stupid in some regards and yet very canny in others. And it's it's why quite often we have politicians, uh, you know, I've lost count of the amount of politicians. We go, why does anybody vote for them? They're clearly not very nice and idiots. And yet they somehow manage to have something that means that that they connect with people and and actually they make people 
quite happy to ignore the bit that's staring them in the face that they are prostrate in front of a green tentacle and telling them lies and people go yeah but it doesn't i know that and i don't care because i i still prefer what they're offering me to what you're offering it's really interesting uh it's really interesting um so uh uh yes ranquin full stop i'll throw a little bit of john abinary in there as well uh, although i'm not choosing an actor because i always do that um but yeah ranquin the joke with ranquin being the religious zealot that he is the joke about how um you know he treats every bad thing kroll does he, he manages to double down and get away with that that whole yeah ranquin and his religious fervor is my favorite thing about episode four and my favorite are you all right baby i'm just just I'm just finishing off. Cheryl Lee has just uh, scooted by. I know she didn't get to watch part four of The Power of Kroll, and I think it's her loss. Um, you didn't. You missed John Abinary painted green, praying to a tentacle. You see, you see, your sad American programs where everyone cries and learn things <laughs> have, have a thing or two to learn from 1970s Doctor Who. It, oh, it's a, oh, and Philip Philip Maddock glaring because he's not playing the part he thought he'd signed up for. It's oh, it's marvelous. Um, so that was my thing for part four, and my overall thing. Now, have I, I said I'm really annoyed I didn't that Ian has uh, has uh, uh, trumped me with uh, with choosing Kroll uh, itself, um, uh, because I think that you know I had that. I had that one up my sleeve. So what is my bonus thing? It's not the sets, is it? Ho, 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 no. Um, uh, well, is it a cheat to choose Robert Holmes? I think it probably is. Uh, is it the fact that the key to time is part of... Is part, I think, Or the swamps? Are, actually, no, Delta Magna. That's it. I do like the fact that the key to time is is part of the the you know the plot as it were it's the reason that Kroll is a giant size but i actually think nobody celebrates that setting enough i think the the swampy setting the 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 marshes of delta magna with its you know very believable of course they're believable because they're real uh, the, those those rushes and that water and and uh, and and just the whole color palette that gives you and the fact that we have real rain so i think yes the setting itself uh, is 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 as much of a star of the show as anything else. So those are, those are my two things. What has Ian chosen? A lot of things I like about Power of Kroll are things that could also be things that run throughout them, like the hovercrafts aren't just in episode one. Um, and similarly with with uh, this final one, it's the tentacles. Um, <laughs> me and my brother just loved pretending to be have a tentacle wrapped around us and be dragged down into the depths. Um, I think there's something I always loved as a kid. In fact, I love now when you can tell something's fake, but you're still excited. It's like, we know Johnny Rice Muller is wrestling with a rubber crocodile in that river and we still love it. It's the fact that you could kind of pretend to do it yourself. I love the old black and white flash Gordons for a similar reason. They were so pretend that that kind of added to the thrill of them and i think rubber tentacles and power of crawl are definitely up there for me um but to pick something that's sort of my bonus my bonus thing i'd have to say the location because power yes. crawl isn't very well loved and uh and people like uh peter maddock uh, philip maddock um 
sort of are very down on it. Um, although they did cast Philip Maddock in completely the wrong role, didn't they? Um, but I'd have to say the location is just brilliantly done. It actually looks quite alien compared to what we're used to seeing on location work in Doctor Who. It's not a quarry. It's not a shonky set. It's it's quite unusual looking uh, river, which I believe is in Suffolk, uh, with all those great big reeds and wide open skies. Um, I think I think it's a definite definite boon, definite plus point of Power of Kroll. But uh, yeah, that's me and Power of Kroll. Thanks, Ian. Uh, I'll be telling you uh, about Ian's social media and stuff uh, in the closing credits. So. Do listen out for that. Uh, it's always nice if uh, the people that have given their time, energy and expertise to this silly project of mine, uh, which they all do for free, um, uh, benefit from your follows and your interest in their work. Uh, one, I got a point. I pulled it out of the hat at the last minute. Well, I mean, most people, when they pull things out of the last minute, uh, out of a hat at the last minute, actually win a thing, whereas I, I just haven't completely lost, which this week is is a victory do you know what i mean <laughs> i mean this this week i'll take a reply to an email i've sent out <laughs> begging for work as a, as a victory um so i one yes the, the 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 setting the planet love it two tentacles excellent choice i mean i did allude to those in part two because i like the, the tentacle sucking hog into the pipe under the cliffhanger but uh, Ian hits on a very important point about the fact that you, you know, you are in collusion with the program makers. Uh, you know, we knew stuff was was fake. We knew we were watching an illusion. Now, people know they're watching an illusion now, but for some reason, we've decided that one of the one of the conditions for enjoying something is that it has to be a hundred percent believably convincingly staged i don't know when we decided that was a thing we don't do that at the theater you do you know you 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 sit in the theater and you go well i accept the fact that that's that's not a wall that's some curtains that people are walking off you know but you just blank that out in your head because uh, they are we are on your imaginary forces working but for some reason at some point as viewers of television we went uh, unless you convince us that what you're doing is 100% real even though we know it's not real because we're at home watching it on our television then you have failed I don't think we won when we made that decision I know what I'm watching is not real partially because I know the names and CVs of all of the actors in it but we know that we know that when we're watching a thing that bloke we're watching uh, Martin Freeman was in a thing last night we know that's Tim from the office doing a very good Liverpudlian action accent in fact that's part of the fun watching an actor that we know from something else doing a different thing in some, something else we like the mechanics of that we're impressed when somebody convinces us in a different part and yet we're not impressed when we go well that's a very convincing if not a hundred percent photo real recreation of a set or of a monster or whatever uh, which a lot of the monsters in Doctor Who are obviously men in rubber suits but the Zygons are really good examples of men now if you wanted to be ungenerous you'd go yeah but th that's a man in a rubber suit so therefore I'm going to absent myself from enjoyment of this or you go well they've done a pretty damn good job and I, I will go along with the rest of it and that tentacle thing the Johnny Weissmuller thing that, that Ian was saying is absolutely that and in fact, acknowledging that you're you're gamely going along with something that is not a hundred percent or that is at least you know it's artificial, but it doesn't matter because your brain is wired to go well. Yeah, but but it is a tentacle that is eating a man. I think you benefit. It's slightly less arrogant as well to sort of go well. Yes, unless you unless you're feeding it to me, unless you. You know, unless I lie back and you're just, you know, getting nubile servants to 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 
feed it to me whilst wafting me and treating me like a king. I'm absolutely not going to accept what it is you're giving me. No, it's actually part of the fun of the process is doing the work. And especially, quite right, if you're a kid and you're going, well, yeah, I can spot that that's not real, but I can. But that, that actually adds to the play because it means that's the play that I do when I then recreate this. Uh, at home or in the playground or with my brother or whatever and of course that play is the firing of the imagination and if that imagination is fed that imagination prospers and a prospered imagination leads leads to the exercising of that imagination and creativity which then uh, you know breeds creative people so that that to me is a defense of its special effects and and the way that television was done then uh uh with the which which of course rather like uh, Rankin, I'm preaching to the converted. But nonetheless, I liked Ian's point about um, how actually the uh, perhaps the the obviousness of the artifice of, of the tentacles, although they actually look pretty good to me, uh, can be seen as as an advantage. Um, but anyway, so that's why the power of Kroll is a beautiful thing. I said that at the end of episode one, didn't I? Oh damn. Um, I enjoyed watching The Power of Kroll. That's not a sentence that's used very often. Thank you for watching it with me, uh, if you were, or for listening to me watching it, which I still can't quite my, get my head around, but I'm very grateful that you're there. Sorry if I moaned in various introductions to these episodes, but I think it kind of proves the point that even under the most um, uh, unlikely of circumstances... <laughs> which is either a, a crappy week in the dark January or just watching The Power of Kroll, there is still much to be had. And that is the beauty uh, of, uh, of, of, uh, of Doctor Who. You trawl the swamp and you still come up with a magic perspex cube. And if that's not a metaphor for life, I don't know what is. Bye! Uh, can I just say that I'm really Yeah? Oh, thanks very much. I don't know if they can hear you. Shout it. I love how passionate you are about Doctor Who. It's incredibly entertaining and interesting. Are you drunk? No. Oh, okay. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? I just had a compliment. Oh, and now Bernard's come to join us. Well, thank you very much. You want to say goodbye to the listeners and viewers, Sherry Leanne Houston? Goodbye. I hope you enjoyed the moaning interventions, but I actually do want to see them. <laughs> Ah, oh, see, we've got our interest now. She knows there's a man being eaten by a tentacle. Um, do you want to say anything, Bernard? No, he's looking at me as though I'm an idiot. He might be onto something. Right, well, from Shirley and Bernard and I and the power of Kroll, uh, many happy times and places to you and yours. Ta-ta. Well, listen, I'm indebted to you for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock. And my special guest this time around has been Ian Winterton, who is on Twitter at Ian Winterton and can be found online at ianwinterton.co.uk. I'm also indebted to the patrons that make these podcasts possible, and they include Stephen Smith, Drew, Drew, you're new and I don't know your surname. If you would like me to read it out, please let me know. Contact me. Uh, via the Patreon page, which uh, is also supported by Paul Dunn, Jason Gorman, Siobhan Galichon, Ian Key, Joe Llewellyn, Darren Mackay, Adam Parker, Barry Platt, Mark Aldridge, Kit Allen, Sebastian April, Tilt Ariser, Simon Ash, Richard Alt, Stephen Bamford, Lungbaramus Banks, 
and James Ball. I'll say Sebastian Apriel again to make up for calling him Sebastian. The music was by Dave Gates and the podcast artwork by Dylan Patterson. Oh, I nearly ran out of music then. Uh, I could go back and record that, but uh, perhaps I, I will say that the technical faults are part of its charm. That's what people who are wrong about Doctor Who say. Uh, so listen, it's it's getting late, and uh, lately these post-credits bits have gone on almost as long as the podcast itself. So I'm on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock, where you get advanced material and bonus releases and other sort of little bits and bobs and uh, and and little bits of chitter chatter back and forth starts from as little as three pounds a month there's a 10 percent discount on a yearly subscription patreon.com forward slash toby haydoak and then there's Kofi, which is Kofi.com forward slash toby haydoak which stops you from having to do the monthly obligation but means that you can uh, just pop a donation in anytime you fancy or if there's a bit of podcast you've particularly enjoyed or you're feeling particularly flush but look i know that times are hard and that we don't expect to pay for podcasts and that's fine but uh, what costs you nothing uh, is to go to itunes or wherever you get your podcasts from and to give these a five-star review and perhaps some lines as well that just uh, make us stand out from the crowd. And by us, I mean me. It's just me in a cupboard with a laptop. Um, and also, I'm a stand-up comedian by day at XS Malarkey Comedy Club in Manchester. Check that out. Uh, it's online once a month on twitch.tv forward slash XS Malarkey and every Tuesday at 8pm live at the Breadshed Manchester. I'm, I'm trying to be pithy because um, I was <laughs> just doing a novel at the end. So what I'll just let you know for this little bit of post credits for this one is that uh, just let, if you've if you've listened to this podcast as most traditionists would from beginning to end, as I record this bit, I've just realised I haven't recorded the opening bit. So this bit that I'm saying now that you're listening to at the end is actually chronologically before the very first bit you heard, which is me saying what what am I going to say? Welcome to happy times and places. Oh, it's so positive, and we just love talking about Doctor Who. Um, I, I mean, I don't do it like that, but it's an episode four, so I won't even have fun with it. You know, I'll just try desperately to be pithy and to sum up the whole uh, experience uh, in one take. So I've got that to look forward to, and you've already done it. Isn't time travel amazing? It's not really, but let's let's not do whole stories about it, yeah? Because um, because otherwise I could I could die now. But you just go, well, yeah, but but he'll just save himself when he's recording the, the pre-credits. Seek. Actually, I couldn't do I just If I died now, I'd just die, and you wouldn't be hearing this because I'd be dead. That's why the... Yeah, let's just... I'll just tell you what, I'm just not going to die. I'm going to go... I'm just going to go back in time to record the opening sequence. And now, with that knowledge, you'll think back to it and go, ah, oh, I knew something. There was something different sounding about him. I, I wondered why he inserted the word... Plum. I might insert the word plum now. <laughs>